guys. Bit of a bit of a swap, hey? Usually have Chad song leading. And Brother Alton usually plays the piano. We just like to multi-skill our folks here. So but uh, good to see you tonight. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse one. And hopefully you don't need to look at your table of contents for that. But Genesis chapter one, verse one. And I think uh, from time to time we'll just touch on this on a Wednesday night. Uh, I know we, we normally are doing a series, when I'm in here anyway, on the books of the Bible, just overviews of that, the Bible book tool. But uh, I want to start maybe a second series um, from time to time, and, and perhaps probably this month we'll do this as I'm in here on a Wednesday. Uh, we'll just uh, talk about who is God, who is God. And I think I asked, uh, I sort of, sort of was thinking about that as we looked at um, uh, our scriptures in Matthew 11 this past Sunday, um, when, when John the Baptist asked through his disciples um, about Jesus, um, art thou he? And I just started to begin uh, to think about that. And, and so maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll see how the Lord leads. But we're going we're gonna to start to think about who is God. All right, and, and I think one of the primary problems in our society today is really a lack of knowledge of who God is. And I think because of that, there's really an, a, a bit of an assertion, in fact, uh, a presumption about what God is for and what God is against. If we don't really know who He is and, and His character, His nature, then we could sort of just assert that, you know, perhaps He's for this, perhaps He's not for that. And if we're not careful, we can buy into that as well. And, and sadly, often uh, there's things pinned on God that He clearly is against. And He's clearly not for. And yet God desires, I think, uh, as, as, you, as we, we're here tonight, I think God, you know that God desires to be known. And it's not as if He's, uh, he's some sort of just force that is unknowable. No, he, He's a God who is a who wants to be known. He's a personal God. And God desires to be known, so He's revealed Himself to men. He's revealed Himself in, in His creation. Uh, we know that uh, here, and we're going to read here in Genesis 1.1, that He is a Creator God, and He revealed Himself in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so, as, as man observes his creation, we, we see his majesty, we see his creativity, uh, we see all of that. Uh, he's revealed himself in history, and uh, no doubt, as you, you read through, maybe uh, you're a student of history, you understand that, that, uh, that, that he's revealed himself over the course of uh, different times. Uh, obviously, in the Lord Jesus Christ, He's manifested Himself, uh, God incarnate in, in, um, in the person of Jesus Christ. But then also, He's revealed Himself in, in our conscience. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that you travel the, the world and you, you see different cultures that they have some sort of an idea of a supreme being. They have some idea, they have a, some conscience that there's a morality. And really, that's just God revealing, even in our consciences as, as human beings, that there is He. There is a God. 
but especially, I think, as we consider tonight in the Word of God. He really reveals Himself in the Word of God. And it's pertinent for us to, to look at that because really we begin here in Genesis 1.1 where the Bible just simply tells us, in the beginning, God. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, and the Bible really is a revelation. Uh, it's an unveiling of who God is to man. And I think as you understand, one of our primary reasons why we come together on, a, on, on uh, different times in the week, a Wednesday night, especially on a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and then the times in between where we get opportunities to come together, one of the primary reasons we do that is to know God, to learn about Him. Uh, one of my primary jobs as a preacher of the Word of God is to explain uh, to, to others who God is as He reveals Himself in His Word. And so, in fact, that's the very heart of an aim of theology, isn't it? Theology is simply to dis discover God, who He is. And yet, the Bible tells us in, in Hosea 13.2, And now they sin more and more, and have made them molten images of their silver, and idols according to their own understanding. All of it the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. And, and there we, we see uh, that uh, often as we observe different cultures, different, different um, belief systems, that they all have, a, they all have a, a, a skew or perspective of God. And often we see that manifested in images. Um, no doubt, Brother Soren, as he, he's just returned from and he's going to head to Sri Lanka, you see images all the time, don't you? And really, that's a manifestation of their own understanding of God. And we live in a Western society where, where perhaps images aren't quite how that's manifested. Uh, we might manifest it in other things that we put, uh, put on, on, the, on the throne of our lives. We may have different images or different uh, characterizations of God. And so it's, 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 it's in man to sort of invent a God in our own image who will let, let me live or let us live however we want to live. And that's the, the problem of society is that there's a lack of knowing God and therefore they've just made God in their own image. They've sort of just made up a story or made up a, a paradigm of who God is and, and characterized Him a certain way. And yet Scripture, as we see it, begins with these words, in the beginning, God. This, this, this is the revelation of God of Himself. You don't read the, the Bible with that understanding that this book is about God. It's not simply stories about humans who lived on this earth. It's not simply stories of, of the origin of mankind. And, and if we're, we're not careful we can even read the Bible with that skew that man somehow is the center of that book. But the reality is this. This is a revelation of who God is. In the beginning, God. And so, Scripture begins with these words, and God is rightly here the beginning of everything. 
Or, or really, he ought to be anyway. You know, in our, in our thinking, in our, in our day, in, in how we approach life as Christians especially, it ought to begin with God. And so, don't you agree tonight then, then if, we, if we are to begin with Him, that we need to know Him more. We need to understand God a bit more. And, and, and who God is, it really determines everything about who I am and what I am supposed to do and supposed to be. Who God is determines what I can and can't do. Because He's the ultimate authority. Um, who God is determines what His purpose is for me. And, you know, I, I love speaking with, with, with young people. I love speaking with, uh, with different people. But often we ask ourselves, isn't it? We often ask ourselves, so what do you want to do with your life? And actually, that's a pretty presumptuous question because it's not really our life. It's, it's a life God has given us. So really, the question we should ask ourselves is, what is God's purpose for me? Because He's the rightful owner. I'm a steward. Um, who God is determines how I'm to relate to Him. Do I, do I just see Him as, a, uh, as, a, uh, as an austere father who looks upon His, his, uh, his handiwork? Do I see him as just a supreme being that is uh, too, too grand for me to even, uh, to even fathom? Do I see him, and really who God is will determine that, how I'm to relate to him. Uh, who God is, is uh, will determine how I'm to relate to others around me. So you understand that, that that question, who is God, it's a pretty important question to answer. It's a pretty important question to, to get to. And so we're going to just learn a couple of things and, and, and just go through Scripture a little bit, uh, just starting tonight, but progressively as we go through the next couple of weeks. But firstly, we see that, we see that God exists. You know, that's a big debate today, isn't it? Is God real? Does He even exist? Well, we see here, importantly... Um, because of that context, that we need to note God does exist. Right? He's not just made up. Okay, in the beginning, God. And really, He exists uncaused. Nothing caused God. Nothing made God to be. He just is. And so He exists un uncaused. He, he was there before time. We see that here in Genesis 1.1 again. In the beginning, God so before we could even have a concept of time, of, of reality, like we see it, you know, the earth and, and our existence, God was already. And so He exists. In Isaiah 44, 6, He says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And so there He declares that He's the, he's the end of the, and the beginning. He was and is and is to come. And, and so we see that, that he, he, he exists. In Colossians 1, 16-17, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. And that's important to note there because often we, we just, you know, we're limited because we only see what we see. But God doesn't even, 
he, he created all things visible and invisible. Even the spiritual realm that we sort, of, we sort of see glimpses of in Scripture, He created that. He made that. Those things that are, are invisible to the naked eye, like the, the breeze, like the atoms that we, we sort of can't, can't see with our naked eyes, He created that. And so we, we understand that, that God exists. All right, that whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things and by, by Him all things consist. So, so we understand that. This, really, this concept of God existing, it, how, how much does this impact on philosophy? And the, 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 the admittance of God existing or not existing, really, that impacts on your mode of thinking, on your philosophy of life. It answers philosophy's questions. God exists. Uh, this impacts science. You know, you're, you're, you're going to see that there's, a, there's, there's several theories about the origins of the world. And maybe you, you've gotten through some of you uh, parents who've, who've raised children and they've had to be taught evolution. The Big Bang and, and all of that, how that's some sort of explanation for, for the beginning of, of everything. And yet we understand that really, even as we've read already in Genesis, that it's all about God in the beginning creating. There was a creation. Why? Because there's a creator. And so we see that, but it also impacts really my place in the pecking order. And this is why there's such a problem with this concept of God existing now. Because again, He's the ultimate authority, but if God doesn't exist, then we become the ultimate authority. And that, you know what we call that today? It's, it's humanism. And we live in a very humanistic world where, where we're, when, when a man views himself without God, then man becomes the ultimate. Man with his intellect and his creativity, his power to, to innovate, a man's ability to, to bring thought and reason and logic then becomes the ultimate. But when we understand that God exists, then that, that, that puts, a, puts us, uh, us down the pecking order, doesn't it? Then we have to be subservient to one who is the ultimate. One who is the ultimate authority. One who is the ultimate, uh, ultimate one that we will uh, be accountable to. And so, God exists, firstly. God exists. Secondly, secondly, we note that God is life. And we've already spoken and, and seen a couple of verses there about His creation or His creative power, but God is life. And I think we're familiar with this statement in the context of, of Jesus. We, we know in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But understand this, that, that we don't have a God that's just a creator God. We have a God who gives life, who is life. You know, there's many people in the world today who are creators. They know how to create something. They, they can create a system. They can create a robot. <laughs> they can create vehicles. They can create um, different things. But, but there might be a creator, but they're not life givers. 
You know, you ever read, um, you ever read the book Frankenstein? Where Dr. Frankenstein tries to put together different pieces of, of dead things, of dead beings, and somehow he electrifies and puts it to life. That, you know, that's fairy tale, right? It's made up because no one can do that. Only God can. Only God is life. All right? And, and it's, it's true, really, as we think about it in the context of Jesus, but it's true in a wider context and meaning that God is life. Okay? He's life in the sense that He caused all other life. All right? He, he, it began with Him and created all other life. And, and nothing else put life into Him. He put life into everything else. And, and so here tonight, I'm alive. Right? You're alive, but nothing would be alive without God. And, and we see this right at the beginning in His creation of, of, uh, of mankind in Genesis chapter 2. If you flick over there, just a reminder, verse 7. Now, I've seen some pretty impressive illusions. I've seen some pretty impressive inventions but I've never seen someone form dirt and bring it to life. But that's what God did in, in, in Genesis 2.7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And it, it wasn't as if man just became, um, came from an inanimate object to an animated object, something that was moving. No, he became a living soul. And even science hasn't, hasn't in all of its, uh, in all of its uh, claimed knowledge, still can't, can't explain what it is about mankind that has a soul. They, they still can't explain. They know it's there, but they can't explain it. But, but our, our, our God, who is the God of life, he, he breathed into this first man, Adam, and he became a living soul. Right, in John third, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And, and so we see in Him was life. And so we see then how, how just uh, in these first two, that we really, it, it re, reorients or recalibrates our thinking away from ourselves. When we know that we can't give ourselves life, then we have to understand that we're not, we're not preeminent. That we have someone who's giving us life, who has given us life. So that means we can't be first. If we're depending on, on, on another God to give us life, then really that ought to cause us to think, boy, I better, I better know Him. I'm not first. It, it helps us to reorient our, our own plans for our lives. Boy, if, if this, isn't, this is a life that's been given me, I'm not the owner of this life, then I better make sure that the plans that I have are His plans for my life. It reorients our insistence that we're, we're not accountable, we're, that we're not responsible to anyone, and that we understand that God is the one that has, has designed and, and given us the ability to, to think and to be a living soul. And therefore, He's the ultimate authority who then delegates different authorities in our life. And so really, just the whole concept of, of God existing, 
and that God is life, it really reorients, and it ought to anyway, reorients our minds and recalibrates all of those things. So we see, secondly, that God is life. Thirdly, we see that God is a spirit. Um, he does not have a body, as you and I understand. All right, He can take bodily form. We know that because He can do anything. Right, and, and he often does, but foundationally he is an intangible spirit. In Job 9.11, he says, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. In John 4.24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so this is why, when we understand that God is a spirit, that why he cannot be hurt, damaged, or attacked. We can grieve Him as the Holy Spirit, but God Himself as a Spirit, He cannot be hurt, damaged, or attacked. This is why we can understand that He can be omnipresent. All right, if He's immaterial, then He can be anywhere. This is why you and I can pray anywhere and He can hear us because God is a Spirit. This is why the, the intangible portion of life, the, the spiritual really is the most important. And why anything physical really is no comparison or threat to that. And, and we, we understand that in, in, um, you know, in often as, as people, we, we, we live in this physical realm. And we're all often very frightened or very troubled by physical happenings. But, but God, in, in this sense, as a spirit, He's not threatened by that. He's above and beyond that. And we're going to see that next here. And, and, and so thirdly, we see God is spirit. Then fourthly, we know that God is beyond. And by meaning by that is this, He dwells outside the material universe. All right? Um, we know that, that, again, that God can come into our, our realm. But we understand that, that He dwells outside the material universe. And and it has to be this way because he, he cannot be contained. Okay, he can't be contained within any limits. And if you know and understand, the universe has limits. And so he, he exists beyond that. God is beyond. In Psalm 113, verses 4 and 5, The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Um, look at Second Chronicles chapter two. Look at Second Chronicles chapter two. And this is Solomon considering the, the task that he's been given to build a temple. And notice what he says in Second Chronicles chapter two, verse six. Second Chronicles chapter two, verse six. Here Solomon is saying, but who is able to build him a house? Seeing the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only to burn sacrifice before him? Now, now if you're, you're, you've been saved a little while and you've read, read through the description of the temple, it was pretty magnificent, wasn't it? And the, the scope of that, the, the architecture of it. <laughs> and yet you understand 
that as, as Solomon viewed the plans for the temple, he understood he couldn't contain God in it. That he was going to be beyond that. And God is beyond. God is beyond. But then lastly tonight, in spite of that, God is also among. In spite of the fact that he's, uh, he's vast and indescribably vast, actually, he's not remote, though. And, and this, is the, this is a great thing. He, he's tenderly present. And he manifests himself at times inside time and space alongside all of us. Now, we know that in the Garden of Eden, right? They, they walked with God in the cool of the day. And so even though God is beyond and he's a spirit, Sometimes he, he, uh, he chooses to manifest himself. And so we see that demonstrated in the Garden of Eden. He, he walked amongst them. He was with them. We, we see that demonstrated very expressly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we know in John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we know that the, the Lord Jesus was the express image of the invisible. And so he chose to, to come into this, uh, into this material, uh, material world of, of time and space. And he chose to come alongside us. And we understand he did that so he can seek and save that which was lost. He did it for a reason. He did it for a purpose. He, we even understand that after salvation, that, that he indwells us. And He abides in, uh, in us in this earthly tabernacle. So we also know that God is, is not only a spirit and, and He's beyond, but then lastly here tonight, God is among. God, is, God, God chooses to, to dwell in us. And really, if you think about it, that's a great blessing of heaven. Is that even in heaven also He chooses to be there. That's his abode. And, you know, one of the things that, one of the things I, that, that I often think about is, is how it will be to just be there in heaven with God. Have you ever thought about that? You know, in, in the Old Testament, you, you see many different people try to, try to come close to God. And yet he says, you can't because you're going to die. <laughs> but you understand that God chooses to, he, he allows us in that point in heaven to be amongst the saints with Him. And all of those saints that, that have gone before who desired to be, uh, to be fully immersed in, in who He is, will get to do that. And God is among. It says in Revelation 21.3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And there's a great comfort in that, isn't there? You know, as we pursue God and, and we pursue our knowing of Him at this time, there will be a time where we'll see Him face to face. There will be a time where, where we'll be with Him. And, and I like that because, because we need Him now. And yet we understand that, that we have the indwelling Spirit, God is amongst. 
in Exodus 33, verses 14 to 15. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And can I just encourage you tonight, as we, we start just thinking about who God is, that as we head into the rest of our week, don't forget that God is among us. That where two or three are gathered in, in His name, there He is in the midst of us. That, that He indwells us, that we have the Holy Ghost, who, who is God, who indwells in us. That ought to be a comfort to us. That ought to be a, a cause for us to rejoice and, and rest, knowing that He is with us. And so, I know there's, a, there's many things that we can say tonight, but I wanted to quickly cover those this evening, and I'm looking forward to just getting to know more about who God is. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for Lord, just the opportunity we have to to open your word tonight. Oh, Lord, thank you that, Lord, although there's a great many things we could, we could say about you and, and think about you and, and know about you, Lord, we, we know that in all of that, you want to be known. Lord, you want to be known by us. You want to reveal yourself, especially through your word, to us. So I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to have that desire in our hearts, to seek you, to seek to know you in a greater way. I pray, Father, that you'd help as we have a time of prayer tonight and, and fellowship to come in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.